0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. If anyone needs a copy of the notes, just kindly raise your hand. And also, you know, we have I believe 37 candidates being baptized here right after the service is over and in case many of you don't believe in miracles I'm walking on water right now. (laughs) Underneath this platform is water and I'm walking on it right now. (laughs) And soon there will be those that will be going under that water and coming up out of the water and the heavens being opened and the power of God lighting upon each and every one of them. Because the Bible says you draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh unto you. Isn't that what it says? Amen. Amen. You got your Bible out there? Let's hold them to heaven and say thank you Father for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what the word says I have. I am what the word says I am. I can do what the Word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free, quicken me according to the Word, change me from glory to glory, and I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, amen. Don't you love God's Word? This is lesson number two. We're talking about following Jesus. And if you were not here with us last week we'll give you a quick review in just a moment. But we're talking about the importance of following Jesus. I believe it's important that we understand this message and let it sink into our hearts. In the book of uh, Luke, Luke's Gospel, we're going to begin there just a quick review. Chapter 9 this is from the NIV version beginning at verse 23. This is Jesus speaking. This, these are the letters that Brother Chris sang about. They're in red. So if they're in red, that means Jesus spoke them. Jesus said them. Amen. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple. Everybody say that next word. Must. Must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life from me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in, the, in, the, in the, his glory and in the glory of the Father and of his holy angels. So from that, those verses of scripture, we pulled out certain truths. Number one, it's important that you and I understand the need for us to know what it means to follow Jesus. Why? Well, because of the consequences. The consequences. And we talked about the consequences to follow Jesus and not to follow Jesus. Not to follow Jesus means you lose three things you lose your life, you lose your soul, and you lose a Savior. You don't want to be out of your body and not have a savior. And have representation when you leave your physical body and enter the spiritual realm. If you follow him, you gain or save three things. Your life on earth that you live means something on the other side. Secondly, you gain your soul. That's eternity. Thirdly, a savior. You have a savior. So when you come up out of your body and you enter into the realm of the spirit... You've got someone to represent you to the Father. His name is Jesus and he won't be ashamed of you, he said. I call you brother. Then we talked about how important it is for us to know what it means. What does it mean? It means deny yourself or self-denial. Take up your cross or cross-bearing. And number three, follow me or loyal obedience. And then it demonstrates something. Supreme love for him supreme sacrifice the giving of yourself and supreme loyalty those are the things we talked about those are the things that it means that's from lesson one as we pick it up lesson two look at Matthew's Gospel chapter 28 and beginning at verse 19 and this is from the amplified now notice when it says AMP there's a new amplified version that came out in 2015 so this is the new version whenever you see AMPC that's the classic version so that was before 2015 and they're a little bit different I like what it said here in this version the amplified look at what it says go therefore and make disciples of all the nations help the people to learn of me believe in me and obey my words baptizing them which we'll do here today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit now notice teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you Now, when Jesus called his first disciples, he called them to follow him. And you know what? They knew exactly what he meant. Why? Well, let's go back and for a moment, go back into Jewish history. If you go all the way back, you find out, as a five-year-old, you began to study the written Torah, the scriptures. At 10 years of age, you began to study the oral Torah, or the scriptures. At 13 years of age, You had your bar mitzvah, coming of age. And then at 15 years of age, especially for those that were gifted in this area, you began an intense study of, this is called the Holora. And what happened was you studied intensely the entire body of Jewish laws and Jewish traditions you really got steeped into it. Now remember, you're just 15 years old. At 18, you're ready for marriage. At 20, you pursue a profession or a vocation. And then at age 30, you're thrust into the mainstream of community life. Or as one says, you're just thrown out there in the fullness of life. So let's put this all together. When you think about this, intense study, imagine five-year-old and what they're supposed to do is just study the Bible. And your schooling consists of just studying the word of God. And then finally getting to a place where you're 30. Does that ring a bell with you? How old was Jesus when he entered his public ministry? You know what he was doing between 12 and 30? Remember what they called him? Rabbi. Rabbi. Rabbi master. Teacher. Why? He was studying what it took to qualify to be a rabbi. And those that were really gifted, and remember when Jesus was 12 years old and they were asking him, he was asking questions, they were asking him questions in the temple, and didn't they marvel at his wisdom, and said, where did he get all this wisdom? So those quiet years, those silent years of the life of Jesus, he was studying to become a rabbi, and when he emerged at age 30, He was acknowledged and recognized as one. And anyone gifted like that would have a particular rabbi that would be assigned to that person and train him intently to teach him everything that he knew. To expedite the process. Now Jesus then, by age 30, he fulfilled all the qualifications to be a rabbi except one. Anybody know what that is? He didn't get married. He didn't get married. Okay. So now... Jesus, at age 30, begins to put together his disciples, or his followers. And look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. He says to these individuals who were already in their life's profession and vocation, after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi, sitting at the receipt of custom, which was his responsibility to collect taxes. And he said to him, what did he say to him? Follow me. And he went home and asked his parents if it was okay. He said, well, let me uh, have some time to think about this. Now, what, what did he do? He left all, rose up, and what did he do? Followed him. What he is saying is this. I am calling you to forsake all for the purpose of making it a priority to follow me, to learn of me, to learn of my teaching observe my life in ministry so that you can emulate my life at some point in your life. That's what he called them to do. That's what it means. Look at then at chapter 6 of Luke and then verse 40 what it says. Jesus, once again, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect or spiritually mature or that mature spiritually shall be as his master. You see, the whole purpose was what? The one who was already mature was to teach the one that was immature, and then the immature one would finally rise up to the place of being as mature as the master. And Jesus said, I am your master, and I'm teaching you. I want you to observe, follow me, make it a priority, first on your list of importance, and forsake all if you have to. For the purpose of gaining this insight, so why that you can emulate my life on earth. Beloved, being a Christian is not just about going to church once a week, it's about being changed into the image of Christ. Number one, what's it mean to be a disciple or a follower? A follower is a disciple, it's one who follows another's teachings. That's what it is. We're here to follow his teachings. We're here to study under him, asking the Holy Spirit to give us a revelation of the person of Christ, the character of Christ, and so that we can emulate his life as we live our lives upon the earth. But we're his student, we're his disciple. We're sitting under his ministry and under his teaching. Number two, point number two, what's the goal of discipleship? What's the goal of following Jesus? There has to be a goal, and yes, to conform to his very image is our goal. Look at Romans eight twenty-nine, and this is from the uh, classic the Amplified Version. For those, this is the classic reading. For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning for ordaining them to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness that he might become the firstborn among many Brethren. This is the goal of discipleship. That's the goal of following him. There's a goal. In other words, every single day we grow in him until more and more we're changed into his likeness and image by the spirit of God as we hear the word and study the word. It's important that we understand that that is our goal and that's our focus and that's exactly what God wants us to do. But then also it's to become what Jesus sacrificed his life for. There should be no more powerful motivation than this that you and I should become what Jesus gave his life for he died for us to become these individuals that he wants us to be he loves us as we are he saves us as we are but he loves us too much to leave us as we are and he wants us to change from glory to glory we should be more like him tomorrow than we were today and we should be more today than we were yesterday every single day we're growing we're developing we're learning certain things and you're going to see what it means in a few moments about the marks of discipleship and what it really means to be a close follower of Jesus but look in the book of Philippians in chapter 3 and this is the apostle Paul in verse 12 this is his life not that I have attained this ideal in other words I'm not there yet are you there yet? no one's there yet or have already been made perfect or spiritually mature yet but I press on To lay hold of and grasp and make my own that for which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold on me and made me his own. Now remember, who's talking here? This is Paul. He was Saul of Tarsus before he became Paul the Apostle. And as Saul of Tarsus, I said you'll lose your life. Remember, you'll lose your life on earth. You will lose your soul and you'll lose a Savior Saul of Tarsus, before he became Paul the Apostle, was on the Damascus Road. He had papers in his hands. He's going to kill anyone who's a Christian. Anyone who names the name of Christ he's going to kill. He's going to throw them in jail have them beheaded. Also, he's going to stamp out Christianity. That is his goal. That's his aim. I'm going to get rid of Christianity. It is jeopardizing Judaism. And he couldn't stand it. But on the Damascus road, somebody got a hold of him. On the Damascus road with those papers in his hand, Jesus came and he saw the cloud, he saw the glory, he fell to the earth. And when he fell to the earth, he heard a voice coming out. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? It's Jesus. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Lord, what would you have me to do? Well, certainly not destroy my work. You see, he was living his life to do what he thought was right. Beloved, when you come to Christ, you become his follower, you'll step out of that arena and you'll step into another. I want to do what you want me to do because what we do for ourselves doesn't count in eternity. But what you do for the King of kings and Lord of lords will count throughout all eternity. Every work that you're doing, including fellowship of Christian athletes or whatever it is that God has called you to do, going to Pittsburgh on a Saturday and ministering to those that are homeless, Whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing for the Lord. And you'll be rewarded for it. And Paul says, I've not arrived there yet, but I'm on my way. I'm pursuing it. I'm striving for it. And thank God we can all and should all do the same thing. That's the goal of discipleship. But then what are the marks of discipleship? Well, there are different marks of discipleship. Number one, he abides in the word or continues in the word. Look at John 8.31. Once again this is Jesus speaking. Then said Jesus to those Jews that, which believed on him if you continue in my word then are you my what? Jesus. Close follower. You're my disciple. You're my understudy. If you con- so he abides in the word. If you continue in my word then you're my disciple indeed. He went on to say you know the truth and the truth will make you free. But to be a follower, to be a disciple we have to continue to stay in the word of God. This should be our priority to learn it don't think you can understand this book God gave us the Holy Ghost to understand it to reveal it to us and so we can know it this should be like it was to those young boys five years old they aspired to be a rabbi because that's what it was you see a rabbi held a special place a rabbi was honored and esteemed highly a rabbi if there were special events he got the front seat a special seat when he walked down the streets you know, he got accolades and they all just bowed to them and worshipped them and all that They got all this honor that they received. And Jesus said, forget all that honor. Have honor of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's why Jesus came to humble himself. But you know what? We've got to be students of the word of God. And then as a student of the word of God, we become a doer of the word of God. Look at Luke chapter 6 and verse verse 46. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why are you calling me your Lord and master if you're not going to do what I say? find out what I said so you can do it see ignorance is not an excuse God gave us his word to know his way so we can walk in his way and do his way and he talks about two individuals the wise man will do it and when the storms comes he won't be devastated but the unwise man or the foolish man won't do it and if he doesn't do it then what happens is when the storms come they'll be destroyed and defeated secondly what it means another mark of a person who is a a, a, disciple of Christ, is he loves the brethren. He loves the brethren. In uh, John's gospel, chapter 13, we have what is called the commandment, the new commandment of the new covenant. Look at what it says. A new commandment I give unto you. What is it, Lord? That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my what? See, You walk in the word, but then also you walk in love. You have love for the brethren. And by this, everyone knows you're my disciple if you have love one to another. We're talking about genuine, heartfelt love, deep concern for other people, compassion for lost humanity, but also as brothers and sisters in the Lord, do we really care about each other? Are we concerned about what you're going through right now? Enough for at least even to pray for you and hold you up and hold you before the Lord to help your need get met? See if I can give you a phone call. How you doing? Can I encourage you? Lift up your spirit. Bring you a meal. Help you in this area of your life. Whatever it might be. God says this is it. Now remember we're supposed to follow our tutor. Right? The one who's training us. Who did Jesus follow? He said I do whatever my father does. And whatever my father tells me to do. Whatever he says that's what I say. He was under the leadership of his father. And his father taught him. Also on the earth he had other teachers. But still it was his father that really taught him everything that he knew. And you know what? Ephesians 5.1 says, Be followers of God as dear children. Walk in love. So you see, when we commit to walking in love and really walking in agape divine love, this genuine love of God, we're a disciple of Christ and the world knows it. Anybody can act out of love. It takes a mature believer to stay in love and let love dominate his life. The third thing, he is fruitful. The third thing, he bears fruit. In John 15, verses 7 and 8, Jesus said, if, he, if, you, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much what? Fruit, so you shall be my what? Disciples. A disciple bears fruit. So you've got the life of God in you. It means you bear fruit. Whether it's prayer fruit, fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faithfulness. You're faithful to God. Life lived, faithful to God, bearing fruit of righteousness, holiness, godliness, and truth. That's a true disciple of Christ. But you know what? The next is, there's a cost to discipleship. A cost. What's that cost? Jesus is above all. You ready for this? This is a challenge now. Luke's gospel, chapter 14. Jesus has got to be first. And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said to them, if any man will come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yea, his own life also. He cannot be my what? He can't be my what? Whoa, what's he saying? Why is he telling us to hate? Really, it shouldn't be be said that way. He's saying this. I'm to be above everything else. And if anything stands in the way of what honors me and what is in my interest, it has to become secondary. It can't be placed first. Oftentimes Andrew would say to me, I love you, Dad. I love you so much. But I love Jesus more. (laughs) He makes sure he tells me that all the time. But I love Jesus more. I know, son. I'm glad you do. What he's saying is this. If anyone tries to stop you from fulfilling what it is that God wants you to do, if it's your mother, if it's your father, whoever it might be, you've got to say, no, I'm sorry, I love you, I love you, but I can't put that above God. See, my, my father first got saved, he came out of a denominational church, and when he did, everybody's like, dad's gone off the deep end, you know, the next thing I know my brother got saved, and Mike's gone off the deep end, then my mother got saved and my mother's gone off the deep end, and the next thing I knew, my grandmother, now you talk about about that time I think she was in her 70s and she came out also after all those years of being in that denomination all of a sudden now she's born again washing the blood of the lamb she got saved too and guess what I came out I did the same thing I followed right along and if they would have said no like they didn't want me to go to school to, to leave to go away when I was called to into the ministry called to go leave Youngstown to go to Tulsa Oklahoma to study at, at, at the school that I went to Everybody around me said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I said, look, I love all of you. I have to. See, I have to step out of what I want for my life. It means I have to leave my job, I have to leave my family, I have to leave my home, I have to leave my position, I have to leave my safety, security that I have to step out beyond all this and go into where God wants me to be. And that's what I chose to do. And that's our next, next point here. You gotta be willing to suffer in some cases loss. Remember the disciples the disciples they uh, well before that, before that look, look at uh, Luke, Luke 14 27. Look at that verse. Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my what? That means suffer. There are certain things. He's not talking about sickness and disease. He's talking about suffering persecution for his namesake. You talk about persecution. When, when I was leaving the mill where I was working at, I had a good job in the mill, good paying job and all that. My boss came up to me and just said, you know, you're a great crane man and we want to keep you here. Just take a sabbatical and all that. And I said, no, no. I'm telling you the enemy will use anyone and everyone to try to get you out of the will of God. I mean, it hurts to walk away from the things that really provides security for you, a comfort zone, you can say, right? But you have to suffer sometimes and walk away from all that. I don't know if I'd ever see my parents again. I don't know if I would be going to Africa. I did not know what the call meant for my life, but I was willing, number one, to forsake all, to suffer if I needed to. Now, the apostles, when they were beaten and whipped for preaching Jesus, do you know how they reacted to that and responded to that? You can read it in Acts 5.41. It says, and they went away from their scourging or their beating. And it says... And they rejoiced, rejoiced, considering themselves worthy to suffer shame for his name's sake. You get ridiculed when you say you love Jesus. You'll get ridiculed when you say you walk away from the main line of whatever and you're now going to serve Jesus. You'll be called a Jesus freak. You'll be called all these different things. And people will think you're crazy. But you know what? You were blind, but now you see. You were lost, but now you're found. And now you know the truth, and the truth Jesus said will make you free. I took all that persecution, I took all that suffering, but I rejoiced in my heart and said, thank God, thank God, thank God. I know I'm following closely my Lord and his will for my life. And then look at the next thing. The next thing is to be willing to forsake all. Look in Luke again, chapter 14, I think it's 33 or somewhere around there. So likewise, whosoever be he be of you that forsakes not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. Is he really asking me to do that? Look, he's saying you have to be willing to do it. Willing to give it up. Willing to go to Africa if he wants you to go to Africa. Willing to do this if he wants you to do that. Willing to walk away from your family. But you know what? Look how faithful God is. He brought me here. I'm only 45 minutes away from my parents. My parents are both 85 years old. I've been able to go every week, take care of them, take them shopping, grocery, the whole bit. I take care of their their lawn and, and et cetera, et cetera. I'm able to do all these things because God was faithful to me as well. You see what I mean? You get this idea that you're, you're going to give it all up. You, what you're forsaking is your ways, your pursuits, and you're saying, I want you first in my life. I want to know you. I want to live for you, honor you, obey you, do your will because I know what I'll gain is all I do in this life will be rewarded on the other side, the, the deeds that I've done for him. Plus, I have my soul will be saved. I won't spend my eternity in a suffering lake of fire because I'll have a savior to represent me before the throne of God when I get there on the other side can you say amen? Amen. so we've got to be willing to forsake all no matter what it might be, put it all behind you because those things are temporal but the things of God are how? eternal, praise God for that so there's a cost to it but there's also rewards to it, I want you to see this in Mark's gospel chapter 10 there are rewards to being a follower or a discipline or a student of Jesus Then Peter began to say to him, lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Jesus answered and said, verily I say unto you, there is no man, notice, no man that had left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life so number one there are temporal blessings there are blessings right now there's rewards you'll be blessed right now and what happens is this when you become a part of the family of God you start finding out I've got other brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and all that and, and lands and God. In other words, I'll take care of your needs. Remember, He said in Matthew 16, 33. I'm sorry, 6:33. He said, "Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you." What things? Where you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What are you going to put on? What are you going to wear? Where are you going to live? All those things I'll provide for you if you just decide to follow Me. And God is faithful. Amen. We believe that, don't we? Amen. But then there's also eternal blessings. Number two, eternal blessings. What's that? The future blessing is this and in the life to come eternal life and the world to come eternal life. You realize that means everything that's out there eternal life everything that's out there that God offers there's a reward for you a crown for you of righteousness a crown of life probably a position in his eternal kingdom that he's going to use you a, 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 an abode a heavenly abode that you're going to have a mansion in the Father's house you've always wanted that mansion. Anybody here ever, ever always wanted that mansion? Mortgage free? Huh? Mortgage free? He's got one waiting for you designed by the greatest carpenter who had ever lived. His name is Jesus and it's just for you. There's a reward for you on the other side in glory. It's awaiting you. Once again, Andrew, how many times he says this? Thousands of times. We're driving across the Rochester Menaca Bridge yesterday after his basketball practice. As you go make the crest of that little hill that goes up and you look up over the sky it's nice sunny blue he said dad that looks just like heaven it just reminds me of when I saw heaven he says the rays of the sun coming down the light he says except for there's not the flowers and all that stuff at the bottom but he, he this is so vividly painted upon the canvas of his heart and mind that all these things he puts it on his phone the front of his phone he put it on he sees either a picture of heaven Jesus or whatever and he says, I just can't wait to get back there. I can't wait to get back there. Heaven is for real. How many of you know, I just, I think I said this Wednesday night. Jennifer Garner in the new movie that's out, the miracle movie about the miracle. Did you hear the impact that, mir- that movie had on her as an actress? Yeah, as an actress. She, she, that movie touched her heart in such a way that it rekindled her faith in God. She went home from filming the movie and she her kid said to her mommy we don't go to church you haven't taken us to church we were in church she said that Sunday she was interviewed with T.D. Jakes and she recommitted her life and started talking about how I'm going to Hollywood and I'm going to tell people in Hollywood I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ so hold her up before the Lord Jennifer Garner amen things happen and we see this happening all around Be a part of it. Anywhere you go, be an influence for Jesus. There's eternal rewards for it. In closing, I want to talk about baptism and discipleship or following the Lord. When it comes to baptism and discipleship, in Matthew's gospel chapter 3, this is Jesus being baptized in water. Remember, he said, follow me. In other words, he's your model. He's your role model. He's the one you follow. But I want you to see what happens here with his baptism. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan to John, John the Baptist, to be baptized of him. And John forbade him, saying, Oh no, I have, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answered him, saying, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him. And, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So let's paint this picture. Jesus, who is sinless. And remember, John's baptism is the baptism of what? Repentance. Jesus is sinless, spotless, holy. He never sinned. But yet he's going there to be baptized of John To be an example or a role model for others to follow. And John recognizes that and says, no, 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 no. I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. And what does Jesus say? It's only right that we do what is right and righteous before the Father. And so I will submit myself to baptism. And you know what? I had this kind of coursing through my brain last night as I was thinking about sharing this with you. I'm thinking, he got baptized then, which covers when he was made sin for us. He was made sin for us who knew no sin. He said, just baptize me right now. He didn't need it for himself, did he? It's almost as if we all were in there and came up out of that water with him. And that's what water baptism is, and you're going to see that. But Jesus was baptized in water. And when he was baptized in water to submit himself to all what is righteous, the heavens were open. Oh, if you're one of those 37 candidates this morning, I want you to know something. God is looking at you God is smiling down upon you His eyes are over the righteous His ears are attentive to what you're going through He is seeing it, He knows what you're doing You're drawing nigh to Him, you're you're taking a step closer to Him and He says if you draw nigh to me I will draw nigh unto you and so when you come up out of that water when you go down you're going to get buried when you come up you're going to be alive and I believe the heavens are going to open to you you advance toward God closer and closer I've seen the glory God manifest in the water baptism service in the swimming pool at someone's house. The cloud was captured on, on video, on, on, on pictures that were taken. That's those old cameras, you know, when you took it, when it pops out. and One of those archaic things, you know, you know, it wasn't a cell phone or something like that. You couldn't send it to somebody. But all this film, you can see one after another, a glory cloud just moved in. And by the end of the baptism service, people were actually falling out under the power in the water as the power of God came on them. You drawn out of God, I believe He'll drawn out of you. And that means that heavens gonna to open to you and fall and manifest itself. In other words, you're gonna enter into another dimension of your walk with God because you're making this decision to let everybody know I'm confessing Christ as my Savior and Lord, I'm gonna follow Him. What does it mean to follow Him? Now you know what it means to follow Him. Not just to say I'm saved now and go on and do my thing. I'm saved now, I'm gonna sit under your t- tutorage, I'm gonna let you teach me, instruct me, and show me the way I'm to walk okay in uh, Matthew 28 now let's look at the pattern verses 19 and 20 again go therefore all, and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age and so we preach the gospel number one we preach the gospel and make what? disciples those that will sit under his teaching and then we teach them they're learners. They're learning the gospel. We teach them, instruct them, uh, baptize them in the name of, of, of Jesus. I like to do it this way. I baptize you in the, name of Je- in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, I baptize you. That way we cover it all. You, when you come up, you're going to be thoroughly baptized. <laughs> thoroughly <laughs> baptized. You will know you're baptized. You will know it. And then you teach them to observe. You see, if you leave out that last part of this, it doesn't end there. It begins there. That's where we start. Teach me your ways. Be humble. Teach me your ways. Show me what is right and what is wrong. You know why there's so much chaos in our world today? You know why our country today is making all these wrong decisions about marriage and about abortion and all that stuff? Because they don't read the Bible. That's why. You ready for this? When God brought forth Israel, that was his doing through Abraham, was it not? Was it not? Didn't God look down and see that man Abraham and say, I'm going to make a nation out of you? Didn't he say that to him? If you will follow me, I'll make a nation out of you. Well, guess what? America was birthed, not by God saying that, but by hungry hearts coming to this land and saying we want to be a nation that honors you, that glorifies you, that serves you, that lives for you. And you've heard me say this before, those 13 colonies 11, when they became states, 11 of them, if you were not a born-again, blood-washed child of God, you could not run for political office. It was in their constitution. And the other two imply the same thing. Imagine that. This nation was birthed of hungry hearts that wanted God and Jesus to be Lord over the United States of America. So that we would be governed by His laws, His principles, His commandments, His statutes, His judgments. And what are we seeing today? Get that manger seen off of government property. Get God out of school. Take prayer out. And then when something happens, why didn't God help? You kicked him out. And you want him to help? I, I better not meddle anymore with that. But, Amen. Hallelujah. We're getting back to that place where we realize, let's humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from wicked ways that he could hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal this land. Amen. Get back to the Bible. God made America great, not man. God did. And our founding fathers knew that, and they believed that. You know, some of them said that if we would ever walk away from God, it would be to our demise as a nation. And that's happening right now. But you know what? Believers like you and I, we are coming before the presence of God, and we're believing to change that in Jesus' mighty name. Okay, our last, I think our last text anyhow, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, for those of you that are being baptized here today, know you not that so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his what? Death. Death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. This is the whole picture of water baptism. and I want to paint this. I'll just say it to you, it's in your closing notes, but let me just say it to you. Water baptism to you that are being baptized today, it is like someone saying the pledge of allegiance. You are pledging your allegiance to the United States of America. And you're saying, I am loyal to this country and for what it's, whatever it stands for. It is also like getting married and having on a wedding ring and you make your vows to one another, You are pledging yourself to be loyal to your spouse for the rest of your life. That's what you're doing. And you're going to honor the vows. Being baptized in water is saying to the Lord, I pledge my loyalty to you. I'm alive, living for you. Whether I live or whether I die, I live for you. That's what you're saying. So when you go under that water, we've died to self And we're alive in Christ. It's not my will be done. But thine will be done. And will that be a challenge? Oh yes it will. Jesus at the rock in the garden. We see him at that rock in the garden. We know he went on to be scourged. We know he went to be crucified. But at the rock in the garden. Is where he met. Whether or not he would do his will or fulfill the father's will. He was sweating as if it were drops of blood at the rock in the garden while his disciples were sleeping. That's where he won the victory. Angels came and ministered to him when he was there. But he was saying, not my will be done, but thine will be done. And that's what we're saying. I'm alive, but I'm not alive myself. I'm alive to Christ. Not my will be done, but father, your will be done. If I had my will be done, I'd have stayed in Youngstown. I would have stayed in the mill crane. The mill shut down. I would have had to do something different for a career, for a job and all that. God knew long before what was going to happen and called me by his grace to do what he anointed and appointed me to do. Does he know better than we do? He sure does, doesn't he? So we've died to ourselves. We're alive to Christ too. Uh, we identify with the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Listen. When we come up, when we go under that water, we have died with Christ. The Bible says we are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God. And now when we come up out of the water, we're identifying with the resurrection. So this is called identification. It's no longer me, but it's in him I live. In him I move, I have my being. My identity is found in Christ, not in myself. Who I am, I am in him. I am what the word says I am. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. If you're in Christ, praise God, you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. If you are in Christ, you overcome the world by your faith in him, praise God. If you're in Christ, you can just list all the different things. Uh, you're more than a conqueror, you're world overcomer by your faith. And the list goes on and on. Who you are in Christ. Oh, thank God for who we are in Christ. That's what, that's what water baptism is, is saying. I'm alive now. And the third thing, I've committed to walk in the newness of life. In the principles of the newness of life. I found a new way of living. I found a new life divine. I'm abiding in the vine. I'm living my life from the life of the vine that's coming into my branch. I'm living my life that way. In other words, if he says thou shalt not, then thou shalt not. If he says thou shalt, then thou shalt. Whatever he says for me to do, do it. Remember what Mary said? The beautiful thing that Mary said the very first time, he performed a miracle at Cana of Galilee when they, when they had the water turned into wine. And he went to, she went to him and said, they're out of wine. And, and Jesus, Jesus said, well, woman, what do you want me to do? My time has not come yet. And she turned around and told these uh, other workers, that said, whatever he says, do it. You like that? Amen. Those are Mary's profound words. Whatever he says, do it. So he said to them, go get the water pots. We think of a water pot, little water pot. No, these things had 30 gallons of water in them each. Go get the water pots and fill them up with water and take them to the governor of the feast. Really? You want me to give water and make him think it's wine? Just do what he said. If it's illogical, unreasonable, faith doesn't have to have reason or logic. If he says to do it, then what? Do it. Do it. So we're living our life committed to Christ. Doing what he would want us to do the way he wants us to do it. We're setting aside our hopes and dreams and aspirations and goals. Why? For the greater that he has for us. That's what it means to follow Christ. So in conclusion. We follow Jesus on his terms. Not on our terms. And what are his terms? They include self-denial. Cross-bearing. And also loyal obedience. It also includes being a student of the word abiding in the vine, also walking in love, being fruitful as a Christian. And finally, it includes that we must, if need be, be willing to forsake all, suffer if we have to, whatever it is for the, name of the, of the God, for the name of Christ and the gospel's sake. Because that's what he said it means to follow him. So do we have any takers here this morning? Do we want to live for ourselves? Do we want to live for him? And my concern is that, come on up here, praise and worship thing. My concern is that right now, the time in which we live, People think that all it means to become a Christian is either to walk up and do something at an altar and just say a prayer and walk back away and then it doesn't matter from that point on. That's the beginning of the process. That's just getting your feet in the water. You become a student. You become a follower. You become someone who sits at the feet of your master. You look at his every word. You glean your, into his eyes of love and you, you, you take his compassion and you receive it. You absorb everything that he is with the intent of emulating his life on the earth so you candidates this morning god's got some wonderful things in store for you this is going to be a memorable day in your life because when you come up out of that water praise god i'm telling you individually the heavens will open to you expect it believe it and you'll see it happen amen hi pastor bill here i want to thank you for joining us today